Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you wanna share with the world, or you just think it'd be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcasts. I use this for every episode. And your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, I mean, you name it. And it literally does it within seconds of you finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. And if you follow the link in the show notes, let Buzzsprout know I sent you. You get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And it helps support our show. You're listening to Club Management. I'm your host, Shannon Dawson. And on this show, we chat with artists, industry professionals, and DJs on how they're changing their communities through music. You can listen to the show on any of your favorite streaming platforms like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 38. The big old 38, man. I'm so happy we're back together for another episode. And finally, um, and literally, it's only been two weeks uh, so much has happened since the last episode. Big love on uh, the last one with Kush Jones. I want to give some honorable shout outs to uh, folks that are listening from South America. That's also a new stat for us. So super excited. And we had the sweetest comment left on SoundCloud. Honorable shout out goes to Faber Myro on SoundCloud who said, um, awesome interview. I love Kush Jones. And this interviewer is just lovely and digs deep. Thanks heaps. <laughs> I really love that. Big ups. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we also, we've got some great news. I've been really putting myself to the test in this quarantine lockdown period. And I finally created a nice website for all the club management content. Uh, so if you are a fan of the show, now you have an actual website that you can go to to listen to all the shows. So I'm super stoked about that. That is at clubmanagementpodcast.com. I'm gonna be sharing loads about the show, new episodes, uh, and I would imagine I'll probably try to fit in some tidbits about myself on there. Uh, but literally that's going to be the home base for everything moving forward. So please visit the site. Tell me what you think about it. And yeah, I'll put the link to the site in the comments so that you can follow and check it out and tell me what you think. Now, I'm super stoked to share this awesome conversation that I had with the guests for today's show. London-based music label Night Slugs served as a major gateway for me in discovering loads of sounds from the UK. We're talking garage, UK funky, grime, you name it. And at the helm of it all is producer and DJ Alex Sushan, better known as Bok Bok. The incendiary DJ and producer started the label in 2008 alongside Elvis 1990. Initially a club night in South London, the label began to draw in a community of like-minded producers and DJs looking to connect the dots between the sounds emerging from the UK and in other parts of the world. And if you listen to Bok Bok's monthly mix show and rinse, you'll hear exactly how it all flows together so effortlessly. Throughout the years, Night Slugs has churned out dizzying dance floor bangers from Little Silva's Seasons to Girl Unit's IRL. 
As a fan of the label, it was a no-brainer that I had to get Bach to sit down with me for an interview. We chat about the label's early beginnings, London club culture, and Bach shares some exciting news about a new label he's developing. I was going to say they just announced that uh, June would be the time for everything to open up again, yeah? He did, but you know, it's obviously, firstly, we don't trust this government for a second. Yeah. Um, and we really, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like self-protection. You don't want to give them any kind of optimism or you don't want to give yourself a chance to feel too much optimism because right. it might just be taken away from us again. You know what I mean? So we're, we're being, I'm approaching it really cautiously and I, everyone I spoke to feels the same way. Um, we're not getting our hopes up too much. And I guess the, the other side of it is that if it does open up, like actually, to be honest with you, the free-for-all that's going to ensue actually yeah. gives me mad anxiety. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like everyone's going to just go in, everyone's starved of this. So I'm just like, whoa, like, am I even ready for that? That's what I was saying too. Like, I don't know how I'll interact right. with people again, especially large crowds, you know? Oh my god, yeah, you know, um, in the, there was a few months where stuff here kind of opened up and like people were doing outdoor events, but obviously everyone took the piss and made it into a thing where, you know, they, it, the streets were just flooded in Shoreditch and um, it gave me crazy anxiety, like I, I couldn't handle it, I was like, wow, I'm really not used to being around crowds of people, Right. Um, you know, especially like drunken ones, like, whoa. I know, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy, right? Because we're like nightlife people. We should naturally, uh, you know, be inclined to being around large groups of people. But yeah, I know. But it's 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 it's, it's funny how out of practice, uh, how quick you get out of practice for stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but how are you? I'm doing okay, man. You know, like luckily still employed during this time. Um, oh, that's great. That's you great. Know, make, making the best of it with like those little online gigs. Obviously, they don't pay so much, but. You know, it's still something to at least keep my spirits up in this time, you know? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, I haven't done anything like that apart from um, Boiler Room, like, in early lockdown in April. And uh, it was really fun. Obviously, that doesn't pay. But, uh, <laughs> it was really nice to just do something. Yeah. <laughs> just anything. That is very true. Well, fingers crossed. Hopefully, things return to some form of normalcy. Um, but, totally. yeah. I gotta say, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm a big Night Slugs fan, and uh, yeah, when you, you when you messaged me on Twitter to do the mix for Rinse, embarrassingly, I literally spent like two weeks trying to put together <laughs> a mix for the show because I was like, it's gotta sound good, right? Like, oh, uh, like, there's nothing I, wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I um. I often take even longer to put together my parts of the show, so it's literally nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm just happy that you, um, you know, did it, and thank you so much. That mix was banging. Thank you. Like, yeah, no, it was amazing. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, there's, uh, you are incredibly lucky because you've uh, really created this community that um, has really resonated still today. You know, people still today are playing um, some bangers from Night Slug. So, um, mm. actually, I want to start here. Coming from, I would say 2010 to 2014 was a really interesting time for music right because you not only had night slugs but you had what was going on here in new york with ghetto gothic you had uh, the sister label fade to mind mm -hmm. all working together to bring these different sounds and create something new and you know going out to nightclubs back then just felt so exciting because it felt like you were treading into some new territory um, oh yeah do you feel coming from that period do you feel like now things are a bit stale <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because, yeah. um, like, I think I even put on Twitter just the other day that I feel like 
it's almost like the, the last decade everything was about switching up all the genres and everything just like you know breaking down all the rules and walls and everything like that and then now i think like people you know not people sorry things music has kind of gone into its boxes a little bit more again yeah um and yes i do feel like um you know so things have settled down a little bit since then obviously it's hard to remember what um clubs were like it's, yeah. it's funny how quick you forget you know but right. um you know because it's like right now i'm not in a i'm not in a position or mood to complain about much in terms of like i'll go to the probably like i'll go to uh, jump up jar and bass raves i'll go to a dunk rave right now you know just serve it up but anything i'm up for it but um i remember do i, I do remember feeling um you know when we were still going out the things had kind of fragmented in a way that they they weren't i don't know yeah there was something special about that time that you're talking about for sure mm -hmm. Um, and I th think it's because like when, when things are in Genesis, you don't quite know where they're headed yet. And it's really, it's, that's quite an exciting state to be in. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I just felt it. I felt like I always wanted to go out and just be a part of what was going on. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's one thing to actually read about those forward nights that were happening at Plastic People, but to actually talk to someone that experienced it and was there. I mean, it just sounds so incredible, you know, like I think uh, forward. Yeah. Yeah, um, you had you had described something in your uh, I think it's an interview you did with Red Bull where you talked about these underwater club experiences, and I think that's just such a beautiful picture to paint it. Like you know, pitch black, the sound system's wild. You don't know who's next to you, but you're just having a good time. Um, can you paint that picture of what it was like to actually go to those nights, and you know how that worked in conjunction with uh, the beginnings of Night Slugs? Yeah, totally. So. It's nice to talk about forward because it's like some of my fondest memories and it's also like um it's how i kind of like grew up in in music uh in, in clubbing it was like my entry point into before forward i used to maybe go out to drum bass raves and things like that where it's, you can have a nice time but my heart wasn't in it do you yeah. see what i'm saying but yeah. when it came to it, it forward started coinciding with when like um like the the, the dubstep genre wasn't even a genre yet and and grime which is coming out of garage and like the dark end of garage, the, 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 the tail end. And, um, uh, you know, and I, I just, I just found myself this little home that I used to, I often went raving there on my own. Mm. Uh, Plastic People was a tiny club, um, I f under hundred capacity for sure. Um, often wasn't that busy on the nights cause it was all, when it started off forward was on a Thursday night. Um, and, um, you know, I'd rolled down on my own. Sometimes I'd chat to people, sometimes I wouldn't, because the thing is, these times, there wasn't, um, you didn't have to go out to smoke an area. Yeah. You know, you could smoke inside, and people definitely did smoke inside. We smoked a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, that created an atmosphere of its own, because it's this kind of cloudy, dark room. You can't really see anyone. You, I, you might be going every week, and you still don't really know who the regulars are. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's, it's funny, because it's like, obviously, it's meant to be a social experience, but it was just a real heads thing where you just went and meditated or, or just danced your ass off depending on who was DJing because yeah. these times you know the magic was they hadn't fragmented into dubstep you know grime you know this that like it was all mixed up it was all different flavors of the same thing mm -hmm. um so but that was that was my upbringing 100% that, that's how I learned about what I feel like a club should feel like or like a uh you know like a, a track how to mix a track so that it sounds like that on that sound system do you know what I mean yeah, of course. What, what was the setup like? Was it, did it have different rooms or it was just kind of like one dance floor? 
one tiny room and um, a curtain that separated like a like an adjacent bar. So it's like one room separated by a curtain, split by a curtain. <laughs> and oh yeah, man, the curtain side was dark. Um, the, yeah, you know, and the other side was, was was dimly lit. The bar, the bar side, and you can go chill by the bar. You can still very much feel the sound system. And when I say feel, it's because that's really what it is. Is that you? The, the, the system was, it's almost like it was a joke, like it was far too big for the room. Um, but the way it was tuned meant that when the subs hit, it's like a full body experience. And that's really what I mean by underwater. Like you're really underneath the subs, like all this, the sine waves, you know, mm -hmm. they reach the top and the bottom of the room and they really do kind of engulf you. Wow, man. Wow. <laughs> that like really, I can't wait to feel that way again. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. But I will say that even before, uh, the pandemic, there was a, a distinct and very serious lack of um, any type of experience like that, really. And I do miss it in my life. You know, I, when, when for the bass to hit your full body like that um, and for it to feel right, like I can't even think of a, a single place in London right now that feels quite the same. Maybe Corsica Studios mm. uh, in room two. But there's really not a lot of clubs that, that are going to attune that way with the same mentality, you know, and uh, it's, it's a difficult experience to find nowadays. But you know, hopefully when things um, resume, then I feel like people do really, people are going to really want to crave like raw experiences, visceral experiences right. again. Right. I was actually going to say that. I think that um, with things kind of not being stale, right, because there's still a lot of incredible music coming out. Um, but, you know, things not having that same allure as it did. Maybe mm -hmm. now that we've had all this time off, I think things might, you know, there might be some new interesting territory to kind of get into after all of this, you know? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, sure. definitely. Um, but yeah, so you go to these incredible nights back then, and then how does Night Slugs come into play? Um, so I'd been going to, you know, nights like Ford and to some extent DMZ as well for quite a while at this point. Mm -hmm. And um, also Rinse Femme events. There were quite a few Rinse events at like... Um, Again, plastic people and um, places like the end, and it's all kind of the same, like, different aspects of the same music style. Right. Um, and uh, eventually, I think by <clears throat> by uh, 2008, things are starting to kind of same way that you're kind of describing, and you know, the next decade, how it, things happened. It was almost like there was a like a real like bubbling energy, mm -hmm. and then things started to sort of fragment, settle down, and you know, dubstep really became solidified as a a thing that almost even before it got like obnoxious and the kind of really American and whatnot, like uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I mean that as a disrespect, but you know, like before it got before it before it turned into the, what we consider to be dubstep now, it's like advertising music, you know, like right. crazy terror, whatever. So I think before that, even before that transformation, something was kind of happening where it became very very formulaic, and it became really all about this one kind of seventy BPM halftime kind of mm -hmm. step. And, um, you know, in the meantime, and it, that wasn't quite what I, what I was into because I really was into the more like the grime side of it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, grime was really struggling in terms of um, labels didn't want to really mess with it. The mainstream kind of turned its back on it, you know, after a few varying success stories and failures. Pirate radio was changing. There was less, there was less of that energy. And just generally it felt like I wanted to look outside of the kind of world that I was in, which is that kind of 140 grimy kind of London environment. So I really started looking out and I love baseline music too. That was happening up north in the UK at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, you know, about baselines, like crazy, 
four by four, you know, garage music, big whomping kind of synths and everything. So that was kind of a, a relief from the dubstep stuff. And that was, I was really into that. And then UK Funky kind of emerged in the UK. And um, again, I was really, really into that because it was a dancing music and it had a lot of energy. And I was equally just looking for different flavors from around the world that, or, or definitely stateside that could like kind of fulfill that thing that early Graham gave me. Mm. Um, and um, I ended up just um, finding my way into getting really into like club, you know, Philly, Baltimore, Jersey, Detroit, like ghetto tech stuff, like mm. Chicago, like dance mania, all of, you know, all of the good stuff. Right. Um, and it really, really felt like it, it had a, um, it was coming from a similar mentality as the music that I was into coming from London. So it was amazing to find, um, it felt like permeations of similar things, like, you know, electronic are made in the hood made in this way that was um that didn't it wasn't trying to be songs necessarily it was tracky you know and that kind of thing really appealed to me mm. and i just felt like they could all stack together into a you know a, a cohesive dj set and it wouldn't be weird right um yeah so that was really the the, the the kind of the way that it came about for me in terms of um i guess the sound the concept of the sound or whatever um yeah. and then i'm sorry you, no, I was going to say, I think that was so, I think that was why I was so appealed to, um, you know, people like you and like Venus X at the time, because you guys were just putting all of these sounds together and just making it work so cohesively. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is uh, thank you. someone to like, connect the dots between all these sounds. Like, I could do this too, you know? That's really cool. I really, I really, I really get that. And it's, it's funny because I feel like there was a time when it was, it was really, really strange to do that. And then quickly it became not so strange and actually very accepted to like mix up the genres, you know, uh, connect the dots like internationally and all this kind of stuff. And it just, it, I think it's because it makes a lot of sense. Right. Like, uh, you know, and it, it communicated for a lot of people. And it's like, I certainly wasn't the only one doing that. Like I was heavily inspired by people doing similar things at the time, just not with, not with UK music, not with grime. Mm. Um, you know, and, um, and yeah, but it was, it, was such a, it was such a cool way to find out about all these sick music scenes, you know, and even, even South Africa as well. Like, mm-hmm. at the time, it was like Cueto and all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was equally amazing for me because it, it slotted into UK Funky and those two things seemed to fit together nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, what we're seeing now is a whole new wave of those two things overlapping. But, you know, that's another story. But um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was super exciting. And um, in the meantime, because of the uh, the club scene that I was so so much into, like the forward kind of um, a kind of scene, started to slow down a little bit. Mm. Um, we, me and me and the collective of people that I was kind of working with at the time, started throwing little parties, um, and they were really just squat venues, just like gully little venues um, where we were just doing the, the 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 most we could with the least we had, you know, with the least resources. Right. Um, sometimes they were free, you know, it's this kind of stuff, like very DIY. Yeah. Uh, but we still managed to scrape together big sound systems that's and give people that experience, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, that's kind of cool to see it grow so naturally, right? And then, like, to have it snowball into the All-Star compilations, which I was such a big fan of, still am a big uh, fan of to uh. this day. So, yeah, so I want to talk about some tracks on the All-Star compilations, uh, particularly with Volume 2, with Stalkerha, and, of course, your track, Silo Pass. Man, mm-hmm. heavy stuff, <laughs> you know?
yeah. for it being a compilation, it almost felt like an album, really. Like, it, it kind of worked uh, out that's that That's so cool that you should say that because that's yeah. exactly how I wanted to program them. I wanted you to be able to listen to them from, you know, start to finish and not skip. And yeah, for it to feel like an album. So I'm actually over the moon that you say that. That's yeah. really, the, that's the whole point, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that Stalker Ha was featured in uh, Grand Theft Auto too, right? It was, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. GTA 4, I think. I think it was 5. It was five, maybe it was, yeah, 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 no, you're right, of course it was five, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah man, very, very cool stuff, and then obviously, um, you had, uh, Season by Little Silva, which was a big tune, like, mm-hmm. man, 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 um, what, what did those compilations mean for you in your career? Uh, well, the thing is, I've, I'm not an album artist myself, I've never released an album, um, you know, I'm a 12-inch releaser every, every few years, um, <laughs> so, for, for me, it was a chance to put together something long playing with me and my friends, you know, and it's like to to to, to, to oversee that project. It's really it's really cool. The first compilation, the first uh, All Stars came about because we basically had a bit of a meteor year, like in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a mad year. We just did the most releases um, nonstop. And I just wanted to m- make sure people didn't miss anything. So the first All Stars compilation was just like a catch up and I thought it would be a nice digestible way to you know, dip into all the releases and then show them a few exclusives as well, and um, that way there would be something that's like, and it's you know, at the time we're pressing CDs, so you know, it's condensing a whole years of worth of work into um, into into an album, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, what was it? Kingdom's Bankhead. That was on Volume Two, or was it Volume Three? Uh, I think that was two. Um, yeah. I want <laughs> been a minute since I. <laughs> Reviewed I know. the catalog, but <laughs> yeah, I think it was too. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask, so I, I noticed that Kalila's vocals weren't on that originally. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. interesting to hear them. Um, you know, obviously when it came out on um on her uh damn was it cut for me? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was on on cut for me at the end. It became well, it became Bankhead, but it was wait, was it was that the name of the that was the name of the vocal and the instrumental, right? Yeah. I think, uh-huh. but, right. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, I think the name came from Kingdom's Beat, which is called Bankhead. Um, And um, I mean, that's like a typical thing to happen in, it's just like, I would, you know, I'd say like, like rhythm culture, whatever, like, you know, dub plate culture. Someone jumps on the beat, it could be a beat all in itself for years, and then someone can jump on it and it suddenly becomes a song. That's true. Um, Yeah, you know, that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of normal. If anything, I feel like, I um I like I like and love that culture. You know, that's like mm-hmm. like I love that you can put a vocal on something and transform it. Whether it's a DJ putting an acapella on, making an edit, and suddenly it's like a whole new thing. That's or true. you know, yeah. Or of, I was gonna say that kind of reminds me of what happened with like the the, the Diwali rhythm, right? Like exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly it. That's right. So you know how there's all these different yeah versions, and it's like I love that. Absolutely <laughs> love that culture. Yeah. And you know, and and Diwali rhythm, you can run it on its own, and it's still kind of a kind of a banger in its own right. You know, just even it's the instrumental. So that is very very true. Uh, but yeah, those were really inspiring for me. And then actually, you touched on something that I was going to ask you. Your releases do tend to be kind of spread out between the years. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> but I like that. I like that you take your time to create something new every year. Last year, there was Pure Shores, which was pretty dope. Um, Thank but you. for me, one of my favorite 
Bach projects from all time is um, Your Charismatic Self from 2014. Like, uh-huh. that, that project really served as a gateway for me to start discovering other genres at the time, you know? Like, I didn't know about grime at the time. Um, oh, yes. I love that. Yeah, or even like, you know, ballroom. Like, I think mm-hmm. Nice Slugs in general was really a great gateway for me to learn about all these different genres. That was a highlight, I would say, so far. Like, it, it definitely was um, an amazing time because, um, you know, I, I did a few world tours off the back of that record. It was, I was, I'm truly blessed and lucky to have had those experiences. But, um, you know, I feel like things were really, like, um, things were at a really, really great point at that at that moment. Like, um, I feel like the label was cool. I had my vision of what I wanted to do as an artist and, um, you know, actually managed to realize it against all odds because I am a really slow producer. So for me to make a, even a short record is like, it just takes a lot. But, um, but yeah, no, it was really good. And it was a great boost in terms of like, uh, I remember we, uh, that was when we first started working with uh, Warp Records. And that felt like crazy because, you know, I, even before, before Grab, before Forward, before all of that stuff, uh, Warp was one of the things I grew up listening to, you know, back in the day with Square Pusher and all these type of things. Right. So um, for us to then, you know, step through their doors um, with, with our music, it just felt like it was like real coming of age moment or some kind of, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Warp is, some, Warp is like rock stars and shit, you know what I mean? So it's kind of crazy, but... Um, but yeah, so that was, you know, it was, it was really great. That record definitely felt like a big, big stepping stone for me. Mm, yeah, for sure, man. I have to tell you, like, the Foxtrot, Melba's Call, that was, like, on repeat at the time. For me. Oh, sick. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, but are there any tracks in, like, Night Slug's history that you think really, like, set the foundation for the label and that are still just bangers to this day for you? Yeah, I mean, many, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the catalogue for me has actually aged. I mean, obviously, I'm. It might sound kind of kind of funny coming from me, but I'm actually super self-critical, and things age differently for me. Like some some stuff ages good, some stuff ages bad. Right. But on the whole, like I would say, the catalogue for me is still aged well. And mm-hmm. um, when I DJ now, there's a whole bunch of you know cl- classics and deep cuts that I feel like I want to play, and they hopefully stand the test of time. Um, you know, I'm. I'm Music doesn't age that much for me anyway. Like, I feel like if, I, if something's a banger, then even if you, you can see how I DJ, like I'll play songs from a long time ago. I play recent music. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. There's stuff that I feel really stands out, um, stands up now. And in terms of things that shape the, the label, I would say definitely from, from very early days, um, IRL by Girl Unit, I feel mm. it was like almost like a, a formula for, um, for what was to come because it was, you know, it's like it had that kind of bassy London sound system engaging kind of sound, but it also took in elements of like Tech House and Chicago, like uh, Dance Mania and even Duke. I remember like, like Rashad and Spin fucked with this so much when it came out and stuff like that, you know, and it's sick to have their approval because like Girl Unit was definitely drawing on them as an influence directly. So, um, yeah, that one there was, was, a, was a big one for us. Yeah, wow, that's wild. IRL, I remember I was at a some sort of warehouse party in Brooklyn, and I think Kingdom and uh, Girl Unit were playing mm-hmm. together. 
and it dropped. And I remember just being like, what the fuck is this? Right. It's very disorientating when you hear it, when you first hear it, especially yeah. if you hear it loud. Yeah. I think yeah. Girl Unit Productions really have a, um, that power to just disorientate you in the rave and just be, you're like, wow. It almost makes you panic. <laughs> uh, yeah, Girl Unit also did that with, uh, I feel like that same effect happened with Queen B too. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Queen B was almost like a revival of the old Girl, Girl Unit sound in a way, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anybody that you're listening to currently at the moment that doesn't have to be Night Slugs affiliated, but that you feel like is doing some really interesting stuff in the scene? Uh, there's never, it's never a time when I'm not, honestly. And <laughs> it's almost like it's too um, overwhelming to even try and think of who, because like, I'm, I love new music. Like, I love dub plate culture. I love, you know, putting things in my, in my sets that, uh, that are unique. You know what I mean? So it's like, for me, I'm constantly on the hunt for that. Mm. Um, yeah, but I'm just trying to think of like who to even name drop right now. But there's just so many people. I mean, firstly, I just started a new label. Yeah. Um, and that is going to be dedicated to like brand new producers um, with, with brand new beats, you know what I mean? So there's going to be a lot and I'm going to showcase a whole load of people. But the first release is going to be from a guy called Nami Wams. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's one, that's definitely one person to watch out for. Nice. Um, and then there's going to be a whole lot more of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'll talk about it more when, once it's rolling out, but soon mm-hmm. that's coming. That's so and sick. What's the name of the new label? It's called AP Life. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm for it. I can't wait to see it, man. I think it's going to be great. And especially once things return to normal, it's going to be so exciting to see. Um, the last Rinse show, um, I, uh, that was like, the, so it's the first Sunday of the month. So February's one. I was um, kind of showcasing then some of the new material, including like some of my, because I've got a tape coming finally. You know, the years have come around <laughs> and I finally have a project ready. So, um, yeah, lots of new beats, a lot of stuff to be excited about. And there's, yeah, I, if anything, I was just say rinse is like my rinse show is the place where I'm trying to showcase all the exciting new things. Yeah, yeah, you had some great people in the last couple of uh, shows. Uh, Elise was on there and yes, Maya, and like, oh, man, so many great people. So I'm excited. I'm going to be locked in. Um, and yourself. Yeah, it was a yeah. great uh, year for it was a great year for guests on my rinse show last year, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you talked about the new label. I was going to talk about that with you, but anything else? Anything you're just looking forward to when we like, yeah, can see people and, and see other humans, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I I don't know. Is New York still cold? Because yeah, it's um, cold here, man. Damn. See, London's just like turned. Like the season just turned, and it's like. Um, I don't know, we're getting this beautiful early spring and I, I, I am getting a bit of optimism right now. Like it's bringing, the weather change is bringing that with it. So I'm honestly looking forward to more relaxed days. Um, you know, being able to see people without worrying too much. That's going to be really nice. Um, and my God, I'm just looking forward to raving and just yeah. getting together with people and just having some lived experiences. We're coming out of the interview between me and the legendaries. 
Bach, Bach, Jesus Christ. I, you know what? The, I'm surprised you guys didn't hear the fangirl voice for this. <laughs> the Shannon fangirl voice. If you're, is this, if this is your first time listening to the show, you need to listen back to the Kush Jones interview because the Shannon fangirl voice comes out a couple of times, you know, like I'm truly, um, enamored by these kind of moments in my life those full circle moments where you literally go from like watching somebody's boiler room listening to their music all the time and then you finally get a chance to actually speak to them that's quite fun um it's quite cool how my life works out like that so super excited to have him on the show and really really excited to see where ap life is going um and night slugs as well where it's going with the new music so thanks so much for that and listen please uh buy box box music definitely support night slugs and ap life i'm gonna have all that information in the comments below uh and please support the show you know this is a one woman show i say it every time i literally i produce i record i book these guests it's literally just shannon doing this by herself uh but as we grow i'm definitely gonna need some help and access to uh some studio equipment because literally at this point and you can probably hear that in the background i'm doing this in my mom's living room <laughs> it's not like you know in china i literally had a place where i could flow to that was a dedicated studio space uh but you know now that i'm back in new york i'm making it work the best way i know how so yeah so thank you guys so much and please support our patreon um you get access to really cool perks at different tiers it's a way for me to continue expanding on the show because as you know this is a one woman show i literally book the guests i record everything i piece i literally edit everything together so now that we're expanding i definitely will need as much help as possible and uh, you can find that now on our website at clubmanagementpodcast.com and yeah i'm so excited thank you so much for all the support until next time peace love and god bless